Yo, yo, shout out to all my truck nigga. Shout out to my nigga Bo. I see you on the side. Trapping at the house with the boys on the wonders. Trapping at the house with the boys on the wonders. Trapping at the house. What's going on, everybody? It's Brittany BW here again with another episode of the Black Picture Podcast. If you're not down with the BPP, I will let you know that we explore films and television series that star black actors and were made by black filmmakers. I have a special guest here with me today. Um, he's an actor, director, writer, writer, a man of many talents, Terrence Rosemore. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> Too much. Too much. <laughs> so Terrence, go ahead and um, you know introduce yourself and let us know who you are, what you do, and everything that you have going on. Absolutely. My name is Terrence Rosemore, and I'm a Leo. No. <laughs> Uh, I was born in Montana, raised in New Orleans. I lived in L.A. for about 10 years and then moved back to New Orleans. And then uh, I'm a resident of Georgia as of about four years ago. Uh, Started off as an actor for about 10 years. Then I got behind the camera, became a PA, started working for Cash Money Records. I was their casting uh, director from 99 to about 2001. (laughs) Not uh, doing it for the nine out of two thousand. Okay, sorry. It's funny because I, I, I was interviewed, <laughs> and somebody after I said this, I was like, "Dude, don't know how much he set up," and I was in the middle of it, had no idea until years later I realized the what an impact right it had on, on the, the culture. culture. Right. Um, did that for ten years. You know, just uh, worked as an assistant for Halle Berry, uh, Chaz Palminteri, uh, John Hurt, uh, Eddie Redmayne uh, was just a cast assistant. Basically, that was my film school. I think I was 36 when I became a, a, a PA, mm-hmm. an office PA for working for cash money. And then about two weeks later, they fired the casting director. They, hey, man, aren't you an actor? Yeah. I became a uh, casting director. And then uh, in 2010, I had a son going into college. And I said, I need health benefits. So uh, mm-hmm. got back into acting through SAG. And um, so after a 10-year gap, I moved to New Orleans in 2010. I think I got hired in 2011. Then I became a regular on Treme and then started booking other stuff. So, uh, yeah. And I'm also a writer. Uh, started off as a playwright, uh, doing my own plays. And then and, and I had a comedy troupe called Out of Nowhere Players. And then um, had my own production company, Out of Nowhere Productions. Then we started doing short films. Um, you know, won some awards, was doing stuff. And then now I'm kind of, uh, I got one foot in Hollywood and, one foot in the indie world. Which gotcha. Is a cool place to be. Right, right. So talk. So you said you work with like many stars, kind of at like an assistant level. Who has been like your favorite to work for and your least favorite? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite was Halle Berry. Um, and I wasn't a fan, meaning that not not anything disrespectful, but you know, I'm from New Orleans. So there's a lot of pretty girls, bright skin with short hair. Right. You know, who look like her, but it, she's uh. She, I, I worked with her in uh, on the movie Monsters Ball, so this was uh, I think ninety nine, summer ninety nine, and what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. She's uh, from Cleveland, uh, just you know, re- real person. When I first got with her, I'm kind of like, okay, you know, they put on that little act. But when you're with people twenty four seven, because I was actually a bodyguard, she had a stalker. Oh, not a stalker in, in Louisiana. Uh, in the town that we were shooting at, who had broken into her house. Oh, no. And left a note 
saying all kind of crazy stuff when she married Eric Benet. Uh-huh. So a buddy of mine said, hey, man, um, I, got a, I got a weird job for you. Come to the office tomorrow. Said, all right. So uh, said, I want you to, you know, be a bodyguard for somebody. But they really don't want a high profile. They just want like a regular, you know, they don't want the uniforms. Right. It was Ali Berry. And, you know, when I first started, I said, yeah, you know, so give me a hug. So okay, we started off good. But then, which is, you know, pretty much that's who she was. And everybody who I know who've met her personally, they say the same thing. Right. So it's always cool to meet people at that level who are still Poor cool. down to earth, right. Uh, the worst, I've been blessed, man, um, because... I've, most of the people I've, I've had are like, they've either been mid to major stars, meaning that the, the, the biggest, the highest profile people I work with were the best. Right. Never late, never complained, totally professional. Uh, and they, you know, they were different ethnicities and different genders. The, 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 what I could call the worst, and I'm not going to say a name, it was a female. <laughs> and she was going through some stuff that had just broken in the tabloids about her daughter that was just salacious. And uh, she was going through that, and then she was going through family stuff. And then this is a person who used to be a film star who's now doing a TV movie. And um, Look, I'm trying to be like, trying yeah, to yeah, piece yeah, together exactly. who you're talking about. <laughs> and, and, and like I said, look, on a scale of 1 to 10, from what I've heard and seen other people go through as assistants, on a, on a 1 to 10 with the scale being... 10 being the worst, you know, it was like a three or four, what I went through. She yelled at me once and it was my fault because, uh, and really it was, it was transposed fault, but I, I you know, <laughs> you took the blame. I, I had to, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, we, I bought her across the street as opposed to, which was crew parking as opposed to base camp. Base camp. Pull right. up right to the trailer. Exactly. <laughs> which they told me, oh, the trailer's going to be over here. And so, but anyway, she yelled at me that one time but every week she gave me a hundred dollars on Friday, and I called it the BIT tax. Because <laughs> she know, right? She know how she was, and she was like, you know what? I, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what was crazy about that gig on the first day. So she had an English assistant. So I was just a driver. She had a personal assistant, and she gave her personal assistant as a birthday present tickets to see U two in L A, mm. which coincided with our first day of production. So she was like, I really, she didn't, she didn't want the tickets because she knows how her client is. Right. She's like, I really want to be here on the first day of shoot because the trailer and the smell and all, you know, right, gotta make sure stuff right. that I can usually navigate through. And, but she insisted that she go to this concert. So I'm left with her by myself on the first day. And it was cool with me, but she cursed out the director, the producer. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she went off on everybody. She she didn't want to be there. Wow. But I guess she needed the check or whatever, you know. And so that was uh, weird. But compared, you know, that was that was the worst. And like I said, I didn't get the brunt of it. It was the producers and you know stuff like that. So one of the things I learned from that is that if you don't want to do something, say no. Right. I was just gonna say because like a lot of people have that mentality like they come into something they're gonna be a bitch about it they're gonna moan and groan and complain but it's like if you didn't want to take the job why take it even if it's just for the money like what is money compared to your sanity and that's the thing i mean some people they just they, they need they have to and they're bitter about it i, I remember uh, i did a movie in baton rouge it was a horror movie and the guy he's kind of like a, he's like a b-level 
actor starting out because he's done some Marvel stuff. But before that, he was just always in a lot of stuff, leads and small movies. Right. And he didn't want to be in Baton Rouge. He didn't want to do this movie. And he was from New York, so he had that New York energy. And he was kind of bullying the crew. Mm. And so I didn't know this because I'm kind of coming in a week into it. And I remember it, uh, one day, it was my second day on set. And I'm just hanging out by the um, upstairs with the video village. And he comes, he just walks up to me. He's like, and, and I, play, you know, at the time, I, I guess I might have been in my late 40s, early 50s. And it's one of my first lead roles in a, you know, major film. Uh-huh. And so he asked me, why are you still a uniform cop? Meaning my character. And I, you know, I always do my, 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 uh, my, my character backstep. And so, and so I said, uh, because the last police department I worked for, they were crooked cops. And I'd rather work with an asshole like you than work with crooked cops. And he turned around and he walked out. And the whole video village cheered. And I was just, you know, I didn't know the cat. I, you know, I knew he was, you know, I worked with him the right. before. But, uh, you know, I'm from New Orleans. I don't care who you, <laughs> who you are. And so the, they were like, oh, my God. Thank you. You told him, and then I saw his <laughs> energy, and he clearly didn't want to be there. He was taking it out on everybody. But I, I won't be bullied. Yeah, exactly. I had a um, UPM on a show. She was from LA, and the show's obviously in Atlanta. And she's just like, just going off about having to be here. And in my mind, it's just like, why did you take the job? Said, like, no. I just don't understand. And that's, I think that, that adds fuel to the fire because it's already like, man, I don't want to be here, but I have to. Right. Because I got alimony or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> to try to keep up with the lifestyle. It's just... I'll tell you who checked me into that. Chaz Palminteri, the actor. We were doing a movie called... At the time, it was called Dying for Dolly, but I think it ended up being renamed in the mix with Usher, mm-hmm. Kevin mm-hmm. Hart. And so the first day... Well, it was, it was actually a Friday, so we're doing a table read, and then we're going to start shooting Monday. And I'm trying to be hip and cool because everybody was complaining about holes in the script, right? Yeah during the read or whatever. And so, um, and, and I have another sidebar about that. But anyway, <laughs> um, after we're driving in the car, I said, yeah, man, the script sucks, huh? You know, trying to let him know that I I realized. That, that, that. He said, look, here, let me tell you something, man. When you sign on for a project, you in it, you either 100 in or you or you don't sign up. He checked me. I mean, he body checked me. <laughs> like, for real, for real. And every time I've had somebody in the industry check me like that, it was it was a blessing. I don't, you know, I'm from New Orleans. I, we don't like to be talked to you know, any yep, kind of way. I understand. But the reality, I think, just black people. Period. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care where you're from. You can be from <laughs> New Rhode Island. You don't know, like people talking to you any kind of way. But um, when when people like that tell you, because they could, I've seen Hallie and other folks like somebody will say or do something stupid, and they won't say anything, and they just say. Never bring him around me again. And you'll be X'd out. You won't even know you're X'd out. Right. Because right. they're just like, please, no. Right. I got enough fools. So when they, you know, initially my first response is I'm kind of taken aback. But when I think about it, it's usually a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. And, and those things have probably saved my career as far as etiquette and knowing how to be around certain people and certain personalities. Exactly. And so... So that's the blessing of getting fussed up, cussed out. Yeah. Yes. So how did you get into acting? On a dare for my girlfriend, we went to see a play in 1989. I was I was a class clown, so I was always somebody, before I got into acting, you know, I'm the one that's at the party, made everybody mad. 
And so when you do that, you don't really have to put your neck on the line to go really try to do it. Mm-hmm. For real, because you get validation. People, man, you're so funny. You want to try right. to do this and that. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll teach you. <laughs> do it, people... And so um, there was a well, nice looking guy who played a mailman. He had one line in the play. And every time he'd come on stage, all the women in the audience, which the majority of them, all females. Kind right. of like this guy was Shelly Garrett. The beauty shop was the name of the play. He was the first, he was the original Tyler Perry. Uh-huh. Like in the 70s and the 80s. They would have these little black plays that come around. So I'm sitting there, and before this happens, you know, I'm making everybody laugh like I normally do. And then my girl, I said, I could do that. And then I'm not going to tell you the words she called me, but she said, blank, <laughs> then do it. And everybody laughing at me. And again, I'm petty, I, I admit. Um, and so everybody's laughing at me. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting there all in my feelings, right? She, I'm first. I'm the Bernie Mac of the right, and she didn't flip it on me that quick. So the next day, I'm still seething, and I'm watching the Saints probably get their butts beat by the forty. It was it was, it was in November of '89, uh, and so um, she uh, no, it was like it was actually it was October, like September, October. So I'm sitting at the house, and I'm 25 years old, and I said, you know what? She's absolutely right. Um, I don't want to be sitting here 25 years from now saying could have, would have, should have. So I, I don't, Brittany, I don't know. I sat in my house. I was kind of mad at her, my girlfriend. I was like, you know what? She's absolutely right. Uh, I have an uncle that used to do community theater. I'm going to do, he always said, T, you need to, you know, and it's, I'm in school. I'm working full time for Shell Oil Company, taking care of my mother who's ill, along with my sister. I don't have time to, you know, whatever, right. whatever. But I said, you know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm all, you know, I'm gonna. I go to school, night school, the next night, and on the door, in my, you know, building, uh, auditions. So this is before cell phones. Sorry, cool. When I come out of the lab, right, right, the number there. I go in my class. My professor's handing out papers. He's the director of the play. He said, "You have a very booming voice. You should audition for my play." And there was a delivery guy who comes in. Don't say much. I get to roll my sleeves back when I'm you know, right. in my fighting weight. <laughs> and I didn't get that role. I got the role of a lawyer, which was more complicated and had, you know, all of this legal jargon, which I wasn't prepared to do as a non-actor. And I think my first rehearsal, uh, I wanted to quit because I think I broke every stagecraft rule. <laughs> and these people don't, you know, I'm, I'm, at the time I'm 25, so these people are 30, 40, a little older than me been doing this for most of their life, probably for free. That's how dedicated they are. Right. Yeah, I come this little know-it-all. You've seen them come on set. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to do what you do. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And I, they cussed. Oh, they, they gave it to me. I wanted to quit the first night because I'm like, man, this ain't for me because I don't like people talking to me. <laughs> kind of but um, I went back and um, I got bit. And, and to be honest with you, I kind of got into it to get into producing. Because at the time, I hadn't, I didn't, you know, Spike in 1989, I think Spike had, he's probably on his third or fourth film mm-hmm. at that time. So it's the only black person that I have knowledge of who's doing, right. telling stories. And right. I, you know, I didn't even grow up wanting to be a filmmaker. Right. I, I think my first thing I wanted to be outside of a football player, like the, or basketball, you know, most kids, was a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. And then after I saw Eddie Murphy in Delirious, I said, okay, uh, I'll be a DJ. Because he got that. Because at the time, it was only one cat. You know, it was either Eddie Murphy, it was, you know, it was Cosby. Right. We never had, like, a plethora of black comedians in the 70s, 80s who were hot. 
right. all at the same time. So anyway, yeah. So that was, so that was that. Um, on a dare to answer your original question <laughs> from my girlfriend. That's how I got started. Cool. I, I want to go back because you said you worked on Monsters Ball, which is a very legendary movie. And wasn't was Lee Daines a director or producer? Producer. I think it was the first film because he used to be a casting director. Uh huh. He and his twin sister had a casting company, and this is the first film that he produced. So this is even before The Woodsman. Mm hmm. You remember The Woodsman? No, I don't remember The Woodsman. I think Kevin Bacon was in it, but yeah, that was the first film that he did. How was working? How was it working with him? Did you have any interaction? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got stories. <laughs> Lee, Lee is a very interesting guy. He's 6'5", and his energy is all over the place. Um, he, <laughs> I got a, I got an Oscar story with him. Um, there's, there are things, I'm, I'm trying to uh, think about how much I want to let out. Because <laughs> these are things that I've never told him ever, that I want to put in my book. But, right. Uh, uh, Lee, Lee was just, um, okay, I, I, I can share this story. So, uh, originally, Don Cheadle was slated to play Halley's husband in the movie. And Cheadle was doing, I think, Ocean's 12. So, schedule-wise, he couldn't make it. Right. So, they had this other list of all the Isaiah, you know, all of the usual black guys that he played. So, you've got uh, Billy Bob Thornton. You got Most Deaf, you got Heath Ledger, you got Halle, you got my man who played Heath's father, Billy Bob and Heath's father, mm -hmm. uh, who played the original Frankenstein movie with Mel Brooks. Uh, I think he played Everybody Loves Raymond's father. I forgot his name. Oh, no, you're talking about, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got these serious actors, then you got Puff Daddy. And so I think Puff gave Lee some money for his next film, might be the this film. And so all of a sudden one day, when I when I made the transition from acting to crew, I told my uh, agent, I said, look, man, I'm working crew. I'm not trying to, and I even told my guys on production who hired me, said, look, man, I'm not trying to solicit acting work. Once I get in the crew, I'm in crew. Right. Unless I get something that, I, you know, I get an offer we can't refuse. So my agent calls me one day, and I, even before she called me, uh, the Lee, his assistant came and said, hey, Give us your tape and your headshot. We got a role that we might put you in. So my agent then calls me and says, hey, you've been asked to submit. For I said, yeah, 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 no. So then I said, well, I said, slow down. Let me talk to Hattie because I signed on to be her right. security, not an actor. Too. Right. So I talked to her. And so as soon as I said that, her face just went, see, Lee playing games. Because what happened was Lee, you know, when he signed her, first of all, he didn't want to hire because he didn't think that she could do the role. Yeah, uh -huh. exactly. So she had to take all her crackhead, dirty down stuff right. to convince him, got it. Um, so Lee, so part of him bringing her on was like, look, you got Cheadle, you got most Depp, you got this, this. So Cheadle couldn't do it. And they had all these other folks names. So she said, when he said, okay, Puff Daddy's going to be in the role. So she's like, wait, what happened to all these other actors? Right. So she wasn't aware that he had made a deal with Puff or whatever. So um, she was like, they, they were on the phone. And um, he 
he says, look, Puffy wants to talk to you. Just like, leave. I, I don't want to, you know, this is between us. He said, look, I'm going to send Puffy to you. She said, please, leave. Don't do that. Do not send It's Puffy. So she's mad. Mm-hmm. She's actually upset. Um, and it was, it was just kind of like a lack of respect, you know, the way it was handled. Right. And, you know, in Hollywood, the higher up you get, anything goes, right? So, um, you know, they ended up hiring Puffy. And so, um, I'll, I'll say there's some <laughs> stories, but it's, it's some crazy stuff that happened uh, with that. And uh, and I, I have a friend who, who had, a, had, Lee was trying to get the uh, rights to his story. He saved people during Katrina. Uh-huh. And originally he was signed with uh, Will Smith, had the rights and had the option to it. And every couple of years, it'd be up and he'd be signed it. And so then Lee came in and said, look, man, we're we ready to make it right now. Because Will kept putting it off because he had, had other stuff. And so my friend had to threaten me in Brian Graves' <laughs> office. <laughs> and, my, and my friend is 6'7", and he's a former uh, Marine um, Special Forces. And Lee had called him during his kids' uh, graduation. I was talking crazy to him because he heard that he was trying to make a deal with uh, what's Graves' uh, company with um, my man who played, uh, you know, Ron Howard, whatever that company is. Uh-huh. Played, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, Lee called him, how dare, you know, just talking to him crazy. So my man said, look, man, I'm at my son's graduation. I guarantee you the next time I see you, it's gonna be hard. you won't talk to me in the manner that you're talking to me now. I can't talk, to, I can't tell you what I want to tell you, but I'll see you soon. So Brian Grazer gets wind of it. So he invites both of them to L.A. Let's move this out. Uh-huh. Because I think uh, whatever Grazer's company is, they did the distribution for Empire. And so they were like, yo, yo, man, we we already in business with Lee. We don't want to do right. another handed. Right. Let's see if we can straighten this out. And so um, they go to L.A. And my friend is, used to be Marine Recon, which means they would sneak into other countries' territory five or six dudes by themselves and do whatever they did. Right, out. right. So Lee is in Grazer's um, reception area. And John walks up and, and, and Lee is about 6'5 himself. And Grazer's got all this modernist, low furniture, Hollywood, you know, Beverly Hills. Right. And my friend walks up and he's eating tofu or something out of a Chinese food container. My friend walks over him and says, I told you. <laughs> and when he saw John, he, so, he trying to get out the chair and was wasting the food and trying to get up before he got down the <laughs> And so the, the receptionist is like, is everything all right? <laughs> and so my friend said, call the ambulance. <laughs> and so Lee finally gets up and then raises running down the hall. Hey, hey, guys, guys, guys. <laughs> Chill out. Right. So, so yeah, that's... that's... Well, so not only are we you know, asking you questions about your life. We are also going to do a review on a recent uh, show that you were on, Atlanta. Okay. Um, I actually worked on season one of Atlanta That's and fun. working with Donna Glover is fun. Like, they're all fun. They were cool because it was season one. I don't, I don't know how they transitioned to season four. Right, but... right, right, right. It turns <laughs> a different animal. Yeah. Season one, they were all cool down to earth. People. Was, was it a small crew? Smaller than a normal TV show? It was because uh, the budget was low. Of course, this is the first season we shot all on location. Right. Um, what, what the executives probably weren't even there. Well, they were. I met um, Donald's manager. I think her name is Diane. Okay. Um, well, she was then. Um, 
I met like a couple of them, but like I said, they were mostly on vac- on location, and I was an office PA, so I wasn't on set as much. Um, but how was your experience working with them it at was, this level that they are now? Absolutely, man. It was brilliant. It was it was one of my bucket list roles. You know, it was like, yo, man, I won't be on Claws. Uh-huh. <laughs> I won't be on Walking Dead, and I won't be on Atlanta. And I got Atlanta. And uh, I'd actually auditioned in the first season for like the first uh, episode. Remember the dudes in the prison? Uh huh. Said, man, if I'd have went home instead of following you, because they were drinking beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, I think in that same episode, there was a guy at the radio station, and Donald's uh, Earn asked him, hey, man, that guy, the white dude, we ever seen the N word? Right, the, the janitor guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy. Uh-huh. So I'd auditioned for that one. And so each time I think I went too, I know I went too big because I hadn't seen the show before. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, you know, the way it's written is comedy. You tend to go broader right. a little bit. And so I didn't get those. And then I saw the show and I said, oh, okay, the tone is totally different, even though it's a comedy. Right, right. You know, it's it's just, very dry humor. Everything is just very low, which I love, you know, and they, they do so much with, with little. So uh, I got an opportunity to do it, and it was, you know, you know what the scene is. The um, what happens at the end in my audition uh, for spoiler alert. I'm not going to say what it is for people who haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, we're going to spoil it in a minute, but continue. okay. All right, so what happened to me? Uh, that wasn't in the original yeah. audition, and, and it only was re- revealed to me after I booked the gig. <laughs> Signed the contract. It's okay. Here's the new script. That is hilarious. <laughs> but, it, but it was great, man. Um, every, everybody gave me love from you know first people you interact with is the wardrobe. Tiffany, Tiffany was cool. As a matter of fact, they were so cool they let me wear my own merch. Mm, and good, my scene. good, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my 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 first uh, interaction with Donald was I was in the um, makeup trailer and he came in and I, you know I had my back. So everybody said, good morning. I didn't know who it was. I'm getting made up. And then he was like, yo, man, your audition, bro, was just, man, it was a, it cracked us up. So I appreciate that. So he said, man, this is me and my brother's favorite scene of the entire series. So I said, so I, I, I said, what? I said, man, y'all niggas crazy. That's all I can come up with. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, y'all niggas crazy. And I just left it at that. And then when I got on set, Hero directed that episode. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. And so, uh, you know, they was like, hey, man, they were asking me questions. So, so man, you know, where you, you in L.A.? Man, we just, you know, small talk. And I said, yo, man, I said I wasn't going to do this, man. But I said, I'm a fanboy out. This is my favorite TV show in the history of watching television. I said, dude, I'm 50. I think I was like 57 or 56 at the time. I was like, dude, I'm, I mean, for real, for real. The show. Right. It's is, great. Absolutely. So, but yeah, every every person on the crew was was great. Um, and this is you know season four, which they shot I guess right after three, because most of three was in Europe. And right, and they came back and did season yeah, yeah, four. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So every, everybody that I ran into was cool. Now what had happened was previous the previous week, I think we got pushed a, a couple of days because of a, somebody tested positive. Mm-hmm. So the COVID Nazis were out, meaning like. The, the little the, <laughs> the monitors, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, everybody, you know, after a while, everything cool, you're a little lax with your mask. And then after, after they had this little situation, nope, and yeah, they yeah, come, yeah, it was like, you know, they will pop up out of nowhere, right? Like, I'm just over here in my little corner drinking coffee. You're mad, I'm by mm-hmm. myself, please leave my <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, I, 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 I 
worked with Lakeith on another project right after uh, mm. that. But uh, he was cool. You know, just kind of like, we, we were in that, we, I think we shot that pretty much the whole day, that band scene. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, they, they were both just kind of quiet and just doing their thing. Wasn't really a lot of conversation between those two guys. So I just fed into that, that interview. Yeah. And so it was great, man. And, and they, uh, you know, uh, Hero was really receptive to me ad-libbing, doing my own thing. And it's, and it's a trip because the writing is so good. You don't have to do a lot. Right, right. So the, you know, it's, everything is usually there. But they do give you room to throw your own flavor. Well, that's good. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it, was, it was one of my favorite moments working with those guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. We'll get more into it. So just to give you guys a brief overview of Atlanta, it's the comma dramedy, better known as a, it's a dramedy, that follow Earn Marks as he manages his cousin rapper Paperboy. Uh, we journey with them as they make their way through the rap scene. Uh, along the way, they come face to face with so- social and economic issues, touching on race, relationships, poverty, the industry, and parenthood. It uh, stars Donald Glover, Brian Tyree Henry, and Lakeith Stanfield. It's critically acclaimed. It won several awards. Um, it only lasted four seasons. I believe it was a creative decision to not continue it. Um, like I said, I did work on season one of the show, um, and my car actually made an appearance also in <laughs> season one. Which episode? Episode four. So episode four was with the, um, I can't think of his name, but he was like a paparazzi guy, social media guy, who also had a piece of delivery. So them driving, the car that he was driving was my car. That's your car? <laughs> nice. Because they pulled up, we had the little boy in the backseat, and they pulled up to like the projects, and the little boy is like knocking on the, and he gets pizza jacked. So <laughs> that was my car. R.I.P. Beth had to put her down a couple years ago. That's what's up, Bessie. Salute. You're part of history. <laughs> She's a part of history. And so the episode that you appeared on, I was called um Crank That Killer. Crank that killer. And um at this point, it's like I said, season four, episode six. Yep. At this point in the show, Paperboy is a notable artist. He's won a Grammy. He has fame and earned they've all earned their wealth at this point. So they can buy anything they want to. Um, Paperboy is faced with a couple of threats in this episode, some literal, some metaphorical, like right, right. someone's trying to kill him because he made a Soulja Boy crank that video back in the day. <laughs> um, he goes to the mall trying to be incognito, but like somebody's after him for whatever reason. And like, there's also a threat of him making music because he's avoiding trying to make horrible music with the guy named Doug, some guy named Doug, like whatever the moniker is. So he's faced with a couple of things, but then on the other hand, Ern and Darius are trying to purchase a pair of Nikes that like sold out online within minutes. And they're like, you know, we have the money to buy it. We just need to buy it. Like we just need to have access to it. So Darius has a plug on the shoe game and he introduces Ern to your character, Shoe Man. <laughs> so tell us more about Shoe Man. I think it's a play based off of Sock Man, <laughs> like they say in the dialogue. Yeah. And there's one of the things I noticed is that, and I thought it was just COVID, but you know, I see cats on the side of the road selling tube socks, toilet paper, <laughs> gloves, masks, you know. Anything but I always you need. Saw, saw the socks. Right. So when, when I read it, I was like, oh, okay, that's like the sock, you know, these cats sell socks. I ain't never seen that in LA or New Orleans, <laughs> but hey. And so uh, Shoe Man is this cat who's in this little raggedy van. And it's, it's crazy because I love, as a child, I grew up with my family taking cross-country trips, which was odd for a black family in the 70s. So I always wanted to get a van and 
me and my son or me and my girl or whoever and go across the country in a van. But also vans are kind of creepy. Like that. I'm, <laughs> they are creepy. You know, if I don't have a baseball team of five kids. <laughs> Why do you need a van? Unless you're kidnapping people. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so uh, that was that. But um, yeah, man, it, and it was um, when my niece, um, she put me on tape for the role. We were laughing at it. It was a trip because there's some things where you just like, oh, this mine. Yeah. Either you you have a connection to the material or you have a, a take on it that you just feel so natural. Right. And that's how I felt. Part of it, too, was just my desperation to get on the show. <laughs> like, this might be my last chance. Yeah. So Got to knock out the part. Yeah. Let me, let me really, what can I do with this thing to stand out? And part of it was in the audition, just like the, the uh scene was shot was you just looking at my eyes mm-hmm. or, or, or the way I framed it, you know, they could see my eyes. And so it was doing a lot with little. Uh, um, I'll give you a perfect example of what I mean. You've seen Breaking Bad. You've seen Giancarlo Esposito's right. performance. It was, he was the most terrifying guy. But he was just so zen. He didn't do any snarling or voice stuff. Everybody was like, would you like some tea? Right. Could be terrifying as fuck. Right, right. <laughs> the way he delivered it. <laughs> you sure? It's like a calmness with it that is so scared. Yeah. Two or three o'clock in the morning, I'm watching some infomercial about Zen, and he's in it. <laughs> and he's talking about how, because I know that's a man, I just I'm loving it. I've always, you know, loved it, but his, his, uh, his image, if you go look at the early Spike stuff, he's always over the top, very energetic, right. you know, climbing off the roof. And then this thing, man, he's just totally opposite. I find myself, the longer I'm in the business, trying different things to keep me interested. Mm-hmm. Because all the time you get, especially television, you're not always getting the best material. Right. And, and I left one. That's why I kind of went backstage. I was like, man, this, this kind of stuff, I can, I can go work on Chrome. They're going to fire me for a day to say this. Right. You know? And so, uh, so yeah, that's what I tried to do. My approach was to, uh, everything was on the page. You know, I could throw some colors here and there keep the integrity of what they wrote because these are some of the best in the world at what they do. Right. And so, you know, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. And so I and I, I think what happens is that um the filmmakers they 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 know that when they see it and it never gets said. And nobody, you know, we we want to be patted on the back right. and validated and say, hey man, you're such a genius to fit in this collaboration of what we're doing. Right. But they're so they, they, usually what happens in the editing room, oh my God, he's so great. <laughs> but on a date, you know, you're just trying to make sure we got a clean right, shot right. so we can move on to the next thing. Right. So it was uh, it was great working with Hero. He was such a, uh, just just a beautiful cat. And that, that comes off in his, in, in, the, in the work and how he mm-hmm. communicates with actors. Yeah. So with the scene, so what happens is, of course, Shoe Man has to plug on the shoes. He has any shoe that you want to buy. And the ones that they were looking for, he had. And he had them in the size. Like, it's right here. And he and Ern simply asks, how much How much for it? Because I got the money. Like, that's literally no problem. But Shoe Man asks, like, I don't want no money. Deliver that line again and say, how much are they? How much are they? Nothing really. <laughs> As much as you remember, I mean, right. he was like, money. he was like, right? He said something about money. He's like, but how much you want? Like, hey man, everybody got money. 
Do you want us to do something? <laughs> what? Wait, wait. Let me just see y'all two kiss. And they were like, what? What? Let me see y'all two kiss in the back. And Darius like, okay. Right. <laughs> I love that. And Earl was like, wait, 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 wait. Darius like, hey, man. <laughs> what's, what's funny, also, we can take a pause and like, what's funny about Darius's character is like, literally in this same episode, they start off, he's like, you don't need, um, email you don't need instagram you don't need social media you don't need any of these things and he's then essentially it's like but you will kiss for something materialistic so his like his character was like kind of very contradictory in the episode but that's just his character overall because you're telling me i don't need social media but you're willing to do this thing for something materialistic <laughs> It's, he, he has a very defined... <laughs> very fine lot. Right, right. A moral code. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the episode, we watched him debate. Right. And Schumann even gets out the car. He was like, I'm, I'm going to give y'all some space to think about it. <laughs> Matter of fact, I said, uh, let me see. It's better be worth it. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, in the episode, it raises a couple of thematic questions, like, how much is your dignity worth? And of course, with like Paperboy, he's like being haunted by past transgressions and things of that nature. So what did you think about the episode like overall? I think it's brilliant how they called back Pink Hair Man. Because if you remember in the first or second season, I forgot which one, when, uh, it might've been the bad episode. Uh-huh. The guy in your car, when Bessie was in. <laughs> when they go to the bar, there's an older black man. Some dude, man, with Pink Hair was looking for you. Yeah, 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 it yeah. It was almost like a yeah. MacGuffin because nothing else happened for, what, two, three seasons? Right, and, and Paperboy was like, who? Right. And then it was, it could, it could have been that guy and who was shooting at him. And I think in that same episode, a bat, somebody with Batman knocked on their door <laughs> and appeared. And we, you know, I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is, you know, right. right. the dude just ran off. Right, because he asked, does Paperboy live here? And yeah. there's like, yeah. Which, if anybody ever knocked on your door, ask anybody live here, say no. That's the Batman, right? <laughs> <laughs> say no. Nigga, Halloween was too much. Right. right. <laughs> Look, before I even the door, you're going like... <laughs> right, right. Because, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> but um, in the end, Darius and Ern kiss for the shoes. And then something happens to Shoe Man, and it's just like, was it even worth <laughs> Just randomly <laughs> just I, I, like I hit I was like oh man I, I, I tell you this when I first got the script you know you know the last seasons episode six shoe man if they do do another season I can see shoe man coming, coming back. back right 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 and then when I got the you know when I booked the gig it was like womp, 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 womp. <laughs> so tell us what happened to shoe man <laughs> so someone is chasing paper boy as you alluded to and I, I just a random bullet hits me and kills me at the time. Now, I don't even think I got an opportunity to enjoy the kiss. Because <laughs> when we were shooting it, you know, I was thinking of a sexual turn off. Right. And so Hero, you know, and, I, and even with that, I didn't want to make it too big. I wanted it to be subtle. Right, right. You know how, like, you, as, as storytellers, we're very observant. And so you can look at a, t- a couple and say, that looks like a first date. Right. Oh, they look like they're cheating. Right. Oh, you know, whatever. Because the mannerisms. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I, I was, I, I picked as my choice, you know, it's like I'm, I'm deviant, but I don't want to just do the uh, cliche or do something different. 
Football just to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give them the regular, but I want to do some other stuff. Right. That's a wild card option. So, um, Hero was like, oh, man, I love all that. He said, but you know what? Don't, don't make it sexual. Don't, because um, that's the easy out. Right. I said, yeah, yeah, okay. So, you know, so immediately when he said that, I was like, because a lot of shit that happens in this series has no kind of bearing on reality. Right, right. Why it happens. So I was like, okay, cool. He's giving me the freedom to do whatever. So I, I took it out of sexual thing. It was almost just like the the, the, the fact that I can make two grown men kiss for the power of the exactly. 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 Absolutely. And so that's you know, and I was able to do it again. Like I said, I'm kind of trying to do this little Zen thing, and, and all I'm really dealing with is you know, I don't think you ever see my face full on right in the entire scene, and so everything had to be in my eyes. And so I had increments because in the script, it was very specific of what my reaction is to my anticipation of the kiss and then the kiss. Mm-hmm. So I really had to work on, even when I was working on the audition, going from A to B to C and, and not being too. Right, I, would, right. I think as actors, you, want, you always want to show out. Right. And, and, you know, and use all of the training and everything else you got. <laughs> and I think the older I get, I'm trying to check myself to see how much more I can do with less. Hmm. That makes sense. Yes. I want to say somebody who's really good at that is Nicole Kidman. People give Nicole Kidman like slack, but she's really good. Like with just being very (laughs) in the moment. Right. Nothing flashy. Right. Right. And she can cry without like even getting like, it's just like, boom. She makes me want to get into acting, but I don't (laughs) want (laughs) to. But so anyway, so uh, shoe man, catches a random bullet and this is like Ern and Darius in the backseat they're like in their kiss <laughs> and, they and then they come out they kiss and they're just like what the fuck and so, <laughs> was was it even worth it anyway they grab the shoes and they run off oh you forgot my favorite line we already implicated <laughs> right we already implicated and they take it I actually would have took some more I would have right, right, I <laughs> took everything <laughs> And became a new shoe man, but um. So you've uh, you're a fan of the show. What is your favorite episode out of all seasons? Man, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, your mercy. Uh, I got moments, but I, I, one of my favorites is the um, Juneteenth. Ah, that was a good episode. <laughs> you know when Aaron walks his house, are they for sale after the party? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I got moments more than the show. Uh, remember on date night? Uh-huh. When Van and uh, Ern are going and he don't have money, right? Oh, that's Go For Broke. Go and for that was bro. the episode with the Migos. Okay, yeah. yeah R.I.P. Takeoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure was. <laughs> so, um, I love when they're haggling with the dude who's not even a real parking man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My absolute favorite moment of the series after they leave the restaurant. Uh, Mr. Johnson, they told me. <laughs> <laughs> And a white man, get up! And he was like, "I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go." Another another moment is when the mind, when the actress who's teaching the girl, Darius is gonna make me do this. Just like, what is he doing? I'm like, girl, he's dressed like a mind. And so that little thing with the eyebrow, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's just the little moments, man. It's just you know, yeah. What's what's your favorite? Uh, um, I actually have, I would say my. I have moments, but I have a favorite. My favorite episode is the episode with Cat Williams, wow. Alligator Man. Season, Hilarious. Second season, second season episode, episode one. Hilarious. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I, I have to, yeah. 
Like that whole episode was hilarious. And Cat Williams actually won his Emmy uh, so from did. the episode. So um, I love the episode because it was it's Cat Williams. Like he upstaged everybody, but I think it was purposeful. Like Don and Glover knew what he was gonna get when he wrote Cat Williams in, and he and he let him go for it. It was so perfect. It was it was like perfect. It was perfect. And you didn't see. You never caught him acting. You never saw him trying to be too. You know, if you put another comedian in that role and then try to. You know, right, they too much. Right, he just, just they say, "Man, be you." Right, they just let him take it and run with, it. and they didn't want to outperform it. him. You, you they right, <laughs> right. At the end, when he took off, it was so. He got an alligator. <laughs> they call him the alligator bat. <laughs> Does he really have an alligator in that? My forty something year old wretched bitch. <laughs> But I like I still like. Did she take the money or did she? I think she did. I think she did. <laughs> she was all right, fine. You know, she's acting like I'm gonna just say it so we can get this over. Right, but you she think she did. took That's it like for? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and he and, and look the way the energy was. This ain't the first time. Right, right, she right. Something. She's saying because you know, and, and I love how they don't answer those things and they let us interpret right because they did it again in season three. Um, when Van was in the hotel room and Ern had like finally caught up with her because he'd been texting her all day. I can't remember like what episode number, but she was just sitting there with like a shopping bag and a white lady, a Karen came, was like, she just stole this from the blah, 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 blah. And she's like, no, I did it. And then at the end of the episode, Ern was like, did you actually steal it? <laughs> and we even see hints of that behavior maybe the episode before when she pushed the people in the pool. Right. At the house. Right. That was like a very... Random. random thing <laughs> but that's what they do they just do random moments but another episode that i really liked was the episode go for broke like i said rp takeoff and that was like that was the season that i was on and i had to meet the Migos. <laughs> so <laughs> like i'm reading the script and because i had read the um couple ones before that i'm like are these the real Migos, or are they just like acting like some hispanics right, that they call in Migos, right because right, right. like how they just it's like i'm like, this is hilarious. I'm just trying to figure out which way to go. So I'm, like, up on a prep schedule, trying to keep up with casting in the office. Like, are they really casting the Migos? Like, I'm trying to make, like, I really want to know because, I like, this is when the Migos are, like, first taken off. Like, I have to meet the Migos. And it's crazy because from the show, I actually thought it was three of them from the show. I heard the name. Right. I had never seen them. I see them on videos, but you know, all the cats looking like. Right. <laughs> and it's because that was like at the beginning, like, uh, Offset was in jail, Quavo was in jail. So it was like they was rarely so all three was together. Mm hmm. It is so three of them. One of them must have been in jail. Well, I'm going to get to that story. <laughs> so, like, um, their fitting came up, and I saw it on the prep schedule. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to be here. Like, where they, they, of course, had their fitting elsewhere. So that's how I knew it was like the actual amigos because they had to go like to the hotel room right, to right, do the right. fitting. So, like, I'm reading the call. Uh, she trying to see where we're going to shoot the scene because it's like in the middle of nowhere. So I'm like, where, where is Set? Set is in Palmetto, Georgia, which is like an hour away. <laughs> like, it was so far away. But I was like, I asked my coordinator, I was like, I love the Migos. I, I have to be on set this day. Like, please. <laughs> she was like, A, I don't know who the Migos are. I was like, it's okay. <laughs> you will know soon. <laughs> She's like, okay, fine. Take this to say, get this contract signed, do whatever. So I went closer to their call time. Um, of course, they're late. 
They're a whole hour late. (laughs) They're a whole hour late. And when they finally got there, it was only two of them, Quavo and Takeoff. And so I was like 10 feet away. They're getting mic'd up. I'm like, I'm "I'm over here trying not to fangirl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then the sound guy was like, "Um, can y'all do a mic check? And he was like, mic check. What's up? <laughs> in my mind, in my mind. <laughs> but in the out, I'm trying to like play it cool. <laughs> so then I'm like, but wait, where's Offset? And so like nobody knew where Offset was because it was for all three of them. Offset came like four hours late because they shot like it was like two scenes. So of course they had the scene where they were um, Darius and pull up. You see, it's just two of them. Then they get into the trailer. It's just two of them. And then you don't see Offset until the end. Right. Um, and it's because nobody knew where he was. I think he was in jail and he had to get out. Who's the Spanish dude that they take him to the third guy? Just a random, just, just a random Mexican because it's the Migos. And the Migos is a Hispanic term. He, and I don't know if he had lived that stuff, but <laughs> one of them looked at him at the end when he was like, yeah. he's with the Migos, right? I think Quavo looked at him. Like, what? <laughs> It was I, that was written in, so. You say that was what? It was so written it in was already, written in? right? Okay. Right. Um, my fa- and I'm, one of my favorite <laughs> scenes of this series is when uh, when they got the briefcase, right? He was and like, they get the call from her. Like, hey man, he's tripping. <laughs> right, right. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he let it ring. He's like, you gonna get that? He was like, hold up. And then to say it was so like Earl doesn't have the money to pay for the day. And he's like, Man, can you cash out me? This is blah, blah blah blah. He's like, Okay, yeah, man, I got you, man. He's like, he's like how's it going with the drug deal? Click. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then Darius is like, I have the like, did you get the key? Did you get the key? He's like, Ain't no thing at top of this. That was that was hilarious. That was that was the same one so I think when the uh Ron fell into the cereal. Darius was playing with the gun. They said, "What do you name your gun?" And Darius had his gun. He said, it was just a, a random thing. But, right. Hey man, be careful uh, if eating the cereal. There's a slug it's a bullet. <laughs> it's a slug in the cereal. Yeah, because they was getting ready to go. Right, right. Um, and so, and eventually, Offset finally came because I think he was in jail. He had to get out and come. Blah blah blah. And so I couldn't be there like the whole night. I was just like, I came, I saw who I could see. So and he, I had to get he, back to the office. Came, you get left yeah, I was gone already. And my time, I, like, I wrapped or whatever. So I get in the next day, and there is an incident report. What the fuck happened? <laughs> Apparently, when Offset did finally come to set, like, they shot the scene, and he took the medic's gator, like, the Lego card that you write, because we're in the oh, country, okay. you need to get back and forth. He took the medic's gator and, like, was just joyriding and crashed it. And it's like, dude... <laughs> You come late, come hours later, and now you causing the havoc. Like, I was like, you can't write this stuff. <laughs> film. Um, TV Atlanta staged the two August Wilson films, Joe Turner's Coming Gone and um, The uh, um, Piano Lesson. Awesome. <clears throat> As an artist, what is like a message that you want to leave with your audience or like the mark that you want to leave with the world? Uh, in the world, it's, it's kind of two different answers and then maybe even they kind of overlap. But um, as a person, uh, my mother was a person who always gave. I only had one sister, 
she's five years under me. And so a lot of times, the very people who my mother gave to would be the same people putting their foot in their butt. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, man, you too nice. You always, right. she give her last. And when she got ill and all the people that came, and I saw what you give, you get 10 times. I, mm-hmm. I finally saw what that meant as an adult. Because mm-hmm. there'd be times like, you know, we, I think we were like a working class. My mother worked in the hospital. My father worked in the post office. I went to private school for like 90% of the time I think, until they put me out. <laughs> I had to go to public school for my junior and senior year. But um, my mother, um, you know, just her, her, her um, anywhere she goes, she's going to try to make it better. She's going to leave it better than she found. And from a professional standpoint, um, there's so many aspects, but I think the most important thing is the only thing that you control without any kind of, um, you know, the only thing you control without outside influence is your effort into getting better at what it is you do. Mm-hmm. You can't control your gym. I mean, you could. You, no, you, you can't. can control the color of your hair. <laughs> to, you know, temporarily you can control your height. But, um, the one thing that you have total control over is the work. And so a lot of times when you're either just starting and you're trying to get on or you're on and you go through a little slow period, the key for me has always been to busy myself with stuff that could actually be something. Mm -hmm. So say I'm during COVID, I wrote like three feature films. Now I partner with folks doing, but you know, instead of sitting and saying, Whoa, my my God, what are we going to do? Uh, come on, man, let's get to work. Let's take advantage of not having, being distracted exactly. by all this other stuff. So do the work. Um, at the end of the day, regardless of whether you're in front of the camera or behind it, we're storytellers. And I think it's important. I love the fact that now we have uh, African-American females and even other ethnicities who are showrunning and have their own power, you know, power right. like Issa, Lena, uh, Ava, uh, Amara, Akeba. I, I mean, we can go right. It's, it's about I can make Gina. ten of them. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and I and I love that because one thing I say about women and uh, African American women in particular, whatever they put their mind to, they, they will find out where that heifer lives, <laughs> <laughs> where she work at, her phone number. Like, how in the hell? <laughs> Don't hey. worry about it. Right. I know where the bitch lives. You know. So when you take that <laughs> ambition and that relentlessness, relentless, relent, you know, restlessness or whatever you want to call right. it, into something focused and powerful. And I, cause I had asked the friend, so, you know, and so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and, and my thing is like, right, right now with the technology we've got, man, do it. Do your own thing. Pick up a camera, shoot something, put your name on it, and you're a director. Right. Maybe you're not a good one. But if you're really serious about this, you'll you learn. Stick with it, uh-huh. yeah, you'll get better. Right. Uh, so I, I think the, just be proactive and not reactive. And there's no excuse to be reactive now with the tech, with the access to technology we got. Um. So let everybody know where they can find you. Tell us more uh, about Funky Uncle Records Absolutely. and how can we keep up with what all that you have going on. Cool. The best thing to find out about what I'm doing or what I've done and, and what I can talk about is IMDb. Internet Movie Database, imdb.com. And you put my name, Terrence Rosemore, T-E-R-E-N-C-E, Rosemore. And then all, you know, everything I've, I've done or doing will come up in that. Um, I'm in the Marvel Holiday Special that just aired. Uh-huh. 
Friday. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> uh, that being said, I'm also going to be in another Marvel project, closely related to that. <laughs> um, I'm going to be in a Disney project, which is based on a ride. Um, that's all I can say. <laughs> um, all these NDAs. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, they ain't playing the mobile. Um, next week, I go to New Orleans and I shoot a project. Uh, I guess I can say the name of it, Nickel Boys, based on a true story of a boys' home in Florida that uh, they would pick up kids who were doing juvenile, you know, delinquency. And they throw them in these boys' homes. I think they would get money from the state. Mm-hmm. And so they would, like, work them as slaves and just keep them against their will. Mm-hmm. And these were usually troubled boys, boys who weren't in close contact with their family. And then they found, like, mass graves on them a year later. And this place is, like, almost 100 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm, I am got a part in that deal. Um, I'm, um, I'm hosting a couple of podcasts. We're about to release Funky Uncle Records which is a, a merchandising company with me and my son. Um, Funky Uncle is uh, based off of um, what used to be my music publishing company when I was playing drums professionally. And then people kind of like our logos. And so uh, we started printing T-shirts and then we made it a business. Right. So we, um, I, I don't know when we're uh, um, launching because I'm, I'm, I've got... <laughs> issues with web designers <laughs> um but uh through the grace of god and i'm in a better uh mood when i leave here i'm going to return the call i purposely didn't return the call before coming here because i want right. to be in the right you want you don't want to make yeah, energy yeah, yeah. i get it i didn't want to be ah, i'm gonna break my hey how y'all doing <laughs> um i got into hollywood for the positivity <laughs> and the, you know but, uh, but yeah, that uh, on social media, I'm I'm so sorry. If you put T Rosemore on any platform, <laughs> I should come up. <laughs> I'm the only T Rosemore. Um, Is it T dot Rosemore? Just or T Rosemore? Yeah, R-O-S. I'm so sorry, my my uh, sister. She's gonna get on me because I always do that. She's always like, man, you got to tell them exactly. But if you go to Twitter, or Instagram, T Rosemore, or Funky Uncle Records on Twitter, and you know it'll bring you straight to us, right? Man, this, I just want to thank you uh, for having me. I've listened to some of the work that you and your fiance Calvin has done. I've actually shot an episode with him, and I love what you guys are doing. Well, thank, thank you, uh, thank you, thank you so much for that. For feeding this need for us black nerds, who yes, <laughs> are into pop culture, we do it for the people. <laughs> Well, I thank you for um, joining us today and talking about your experience and all that you have going on. You guys can catch this interview on the Modern Crowd website. It's right here, crwd.com. Um, it'll also be um, on the podcasting platform, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, all that jazz. Thank you again for joining us. Until next time. Pants. On the corner of serving grounds. Ground. My nigga be-